Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. I know you've heard in the news and it's been mentioned many times today um, about Oscar Pistorius, the South African athlete. He's been released from prison on parole more than a decade after murdering his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp, in 2013. He served about nearly nine years of his 13-year and five-month sentence for the shooting. But he is going to live under fairly strict conditions until the remainder of his sentence expires in December of 2029. Um, some of these parole conditions, these stipulations that you'll hear about, they include things like, you know, restrictions on when he can leave his home, not being able to leave the district that he's living in. There's a ban on drinking and subject as well, or subjected to um, unannounced visits by authorities. There's many others as well. We're asking today, though, is this a fair system? your views on the parole system and, and how it works. Um, I remember very clearly the Oscar Pistorius Reva Steenkamp case, case. Like, it's very recent. It is only 2013. And I suppose given the high profile of the the two people involved and the sort of celebrity stature or status of both of them, it was it was absolutely um, a story that just spanned right across the world. Saoirse Brady is the Executive Director of the Irish Penal Reform Trust. Saoirse, just first of all, you know, when you look at Oscar Pistorius and his release and parole and these stipulations, some that I mentioned there, would an arrangement like this ever happen in Ireland? Um, Good afternoon, Andrea, and thanks for having me on. I suppose we don't comment on individual cases, uh, whether within this jurisdiction or outside of it. But um, just in terms of what happens here in Pearl, no, we don't have the same kind of system here in Ireland. Um, our parole system has been very recently reformed. So there was legislation brought in in 2019 and it set up an independent statutory um, parole process, which is free from any political interference. And that's really important, I suppose, um, in terms of, you know, we're a country where the rule of law applies. So parole is a really important part of the criminal justice system. So at the moment, the process is that somebody um, has to be serving a sentence uh um, a life sentence actually at the moment um, and they have to have served at least 10 and a half years of that sentence before they can apply for parole and they have to have served 12 years of the sentence before they would be eligible to be released. But just because you apply for parole doesn't mean it will be granted. The parole board is made up of a number of different um, representatives and experts and they take into consideration consideration quite a number of of factors when they're making the decision on whether or not to grant parole. And I suppose the purpose of parole is really to look at community safety and to see if whether or not a person poses a risk to society and whether they've engaged in rehabilitation within prison um, and whether or not they, they should be released. And the parole board will they'll consult with quite a number of experts as well. So They'll engage with the Irish Prison Service, for example, the probation service, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, social workers or other people who are involved with that. And they'll also consult with um, the victim or uh, the victim's family if they're no longer with us. Um, And that's really important as well. And they will do that. They've recently run a very um, big information campaign, which I'm sure some of your listeners have heard, because you have to register with the parole board so that they will notify you if somebody, um, if the the person who committed an offence against you or a loved one 
um, applies for parole, they will let you know and you will be able to have your say. Mm. They may also look at victim impact statements from the time of the the, um, the trial um, to consider those as well. So really, I suppose what we are, you know, what we want to see is a really balanced review of whether or not somebody should be released for prison or not. And risk assessments are taken. Um, and I suppose the other thing I would say is that if somebody uh, applies for parole and is granted parole um, and they're serving a life sentence, that, that life sentence, while they may be released from prison, that life sentence doesn't just go away. They are going to be um, have to comply with conditions attach their parole for the rest of their lives. Similar conditions that I, uh, similar conditions to, to that of Oscar Pistorius, like not yeah, being able to could, leave their house. I didn't think they were depends. strict. It that? depends on the on on what conditions are applied. It could be that it could be um, conditions like uh, remaining sober, keeping the peace. Um, you know, the guards will play a part in this as well. Um, you know, not reoffending. And if somebody does reoffend, or there is a serious breach of their parole conditions then they can be returned to prison automatically. Do we, so, any, you know, do we have any idea, Saoirse, and, and, and you mightn't have this figure off the top of your head, but mm-hmm. do we have any idea roughly how many people are out on parole in Ireland at the moment? Um, I don't know exactly how many um, right the second, but what I do know is that there were 22 applications. Um, so the parole board was established, this new parole board was established in 2021 and there were 22 applications and one was granted last year. So, well, actually, I'm saying last year, <laughs> it's actually 2022. 22. Um, so so of I, the 22 people who would have served their 10 and a half years in jail, eligible to apply. 12 years in jail. Sorry, oh, well, sorry yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, the ser- 12 years to be released. So of the 22 yeah. people who applied in 2022 for parole, one was granted. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing to to look at is just the average length of sentence that a person does serve. Now, obviously, we're under a new regime now with the new um, parole board system. But before that, you know, in 2021, I think it was, the average length of sentence that a person sentenced to life served was 19, 20 years. You know, and so even though a person might apply for parole, and they could be eligible to be out if the parole board grants their application after 12 years. Very often, they may have to apply a number of times. And the parole board is really okay. clear about that with people who apply for parole, that they will really need to see um, that they have made all efforts to engage in rehabilitation, that they no longer pose a risk to society. Um, and I think they will take a very cautious view of this as well. Okay. So a person could have to apply for parole a number of times mm, before it's actually granted. granted. Uh, N- Niall Spellman, um, Saoirse, is with us as well on the Nile, on the line, I should say. Niall, you're a, you're a former um, prison governor. So I, I'm sure, you know, in your time, in your tenure, uh, you probably saw a, a lot of people um, apply and go through the, the parole process What's your view on it like? Does it work well? Good afternoon, Andrea. Um, The new parole process is still very much in its infancy and it has been hampered somewhat in that it has been delayed and there is quite a backlog of people to be seen. It is an effective tool. Now, the couple of myths maybe that I need to dispel straight off the idea that somebody would get out after 12 years is fanciful 
I know of two particular cases that I was involved in closely uh, until I retired. One who person had served 22 years, the other had served 30, and they are still part of the process. Uh, the new parole board are also very much victim-centric uh, as opposed to prisoner-centric, which the old board probably was more so. So it is an onerous process. It does lead to frustration amongst prisoners because it is very, very slow. But uh, I agree with everything Saoirse said. It is there's, there's a huge responsibility on the board if they allow somebody out because you have to be certain that their risk of reoffending is minimal to zero. And uh, while many people will engage with services mm. and engage with the parole board within prison, not all of them do it um, or not all of them are capable of doing it properly so that they are actually properly fit to be released like you're in the business or we're in the business and you spent a lot of your time you know rehabilitating people like is is parole is that part of the the rehabilitation or reform so, like well, how would you see it first of all I would say that the idea of sending people to prison for rehabilitation is nonsense and it's a, a bigger discussion that needs to be had in this country what sort of prison service do we want what do we want do we yeah. want uh, a flog them hang them and lock them up forever or do we want to actually rehabilitate them and rehabilitation is vastly, vastly expensive and it's loads of services. Now, the prison service last uh, since 2006 has been experiencing huge staffing difficulties, which have knock-on effects on access to services for prisoners, such as psychology, psychiatry, um, drug addiction, all those sort of things. But to answer your question, properly tailored to the right people, parole is an effective tool. Again, those two uh, cases that I can think of. Mm. One, I would have no qualms about him walking the streets. He's somebody who served 22 years and wants to build on his life. He's still young enough to start a family. The other person was getting close to the end and um, fell foul of, you know, went back taking drugs. And I think that was because he was knew he was getting close and was incapable of going out into society. And that's okay. another part of it. Yeah. We institutionalise institutionalize people by the length yeah. of time we incarcerate them. It's it's hard to have this discussion, you know, and and, and not to think about um, the victims of crime and and their families, you know. And and, and sure, in this show, I don't know how many times I have talked to mums and dads and sisters and brothers of people who they've lost. Um, during you know really brutal murders and 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 attacks and their families and talk you know when you hear them talk about the stress and the anxiety that comes with hearing about the um the convicted person you know and, and possibly being able to apply for parole and be eligible for that and how hard that is on on people A criminologist and author John Cuff is on the line as well Niall and Saoirse like in in one way in you know in one way John the system here. It, it, you know, obviously, it's it's a lot more stringent than that in a, in South Africa. But like, people do have to jump through a lot of hoops. Then it would seem. Yeah, uh, good to hear you, Andrea. Yeah. I've fought in both camps with your two previous speakers there, so I, I have I have some knowledge of it. And um, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. I, I just researched it this morning. Uh, the parole board is is quite stiff. Uh, there were 22 people reviewed in. Um, 
2022. But 223 applied in that year out of the 245 that were eligible to apply. So they're, they're very strict uh, on what they do. Now, a comment came up there, and it kind of, we need to take it on board. I think the word was, uh, do the pose a risk to society? We also need to kind of look on the, the, the victim, the person... Well, first of all, there's a person that's probably dead, but their families. Uh, is it enough to say that the, the person that's looking for parole is no longer a threat to society? You have to balance that with then the people that are left behind, the families mm, that are left absolutely. behind, that would with them all their lives. That um, It's a very difficult one to balance. On the one hand, having worked in the prison system, and uh, that you have to have outlets, you have to have some kind of reward at the end of it. You have to bear in mind that there are victims out there, that for them, life has stopped in the person that they loved and cared for Mm. or that they lost, and that that person that probably was the cause of that, they're continuing their life. So it's a very difficult one, and it is good possibly in a way that we have a very sober, by the looks of it, um, uh, system in, in the parole system here. You know, it's quite difficult to get out of it. On the other hand, as Nigel said, frustration kind of comes into it at the other end of it. But the balance is very important, and we must never lose sight of the victim in all of this. It's one thing to have gone through the X amount of years, being good, obeyed all the rules and everything like that. But for the other part of the equation, the other half of that equation, life doesn't change. No. They carry that. How, 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 Saoirse Brady, like, how do the parole board, how do you get that balance right? Well, I've actually been in to visit the offices of the parole board and, and they are very um, conscious of the impact any application for parole will have on a victim or their family. And they've put in place, you know, um, a, a, a specific room where the, the, the victim, their family, their uh, representatives can can stay and have a bit of privacy um, and, you know, go directly into the, the boardroom without having to walk through the office or see anybody else. So they're very mindful of the victim's role in all of this. Um, you know, and they, like, as I said before, like, you know, they may also ask for transcripts from the time of the, the trial and look at those victim impact statements and really take that into account um, and hear from the, the families themselves, you know, about what impact this might have on them, what concerns they have. And, and they will, you know, that forms part of the decision. It isn't, you know, the only factor, but it does form a big part of the decision, I would say. Um, so I think, you know, they are trying to strike a balance here. Um, and I think, you know, we we were talking there just around um, them taking quite a conservative approach. I think that's also because they're quite new. They're in their infancy, as Niall said. And I think the other piece is around resourcing. Like, you know, if we want to do this right, we really have to ensure that they have the adequate resources to do this properly and actually be able to review all of those applications in a timely manner both for the person who's applied for parole, but also for the victim or their family who, you know, have heard that the application has gone in and they want to know what the outcome might be. Um, and if they do refuse uh, an application for parole, the parole board will grant reasons in writing to the person and tell them when they will be eligible to apply again. So it could be another two years before they can apply for parole the application. Uh, Niall, you you can imagine that a lot of our listeners here today, or you probably expect, um, they'd prefer to see that balance tipped in favour of the the families and victims. 
Well, I would say it is. And in my experience, in all my experience of the parole board, to be even considered for parole, the person who is applying, many are eligible, not everybody applies, but to be eligible to be granted parole, there are a number of things that the prisoner must do. They must admit their guilt. They must show remorse and contrition and they must acknowledge the wrongdoing and the impact of their crime. Now, not all do, not all want to, and not all can. But if a prisoner is genuine in those three things, then they have a reasonable chance of being granted parole, mm. but it is a very step-by-step process. I mean, uh, the, the the one person I know who served 22 years has been told to do X, Y, and Z in terms of psychology courses, and mm. some they have done previously and whatever, and they get frustrated. But the the current parole board are very conservative in their views. Perhaps that is because they are the ones granting the parole if they do well, grant it's, it, as opposed yeah. to making a recommendation to the minister. To make sure you have the right, it, make the right decision. Yeah, but it is, and it is, it's, it, it is an onerous um, thing to have yeah. on anybody to release somebody. And yes, the, the, the victim's families. What I will say is there are some people who are eligible and apply and they will never be released. They don't know that, but they will never be released because they will not admit to their crimes or they will not acknowledge the hurt that they have caused. The one thing I would say is that the one thing that you should never take away from prisoners is hope because for many of them, that's all that they have. And the parole board is a form of hope. Now, they may be knocked back repeatedly and some will never get out, but at least with the parole system as it currently exists, there is hope. And once there's hope, that keeps a lot of them going. Niall Spellman, a former prison governor. John Cuff, who's a former prison officer and criminologist and the executive director of the Irish Penal Reform Trust. Saoirse Brady, thanks to you all for joining us. Very interesting and we're chatting about this today because I'm sure you've heard it in the news. You're looking at it online. You're reading about it. You'll see it on TV as well tonight. Oscar Pistorius released today on parole conditions. Um, and sure, as all of our guests said, that wouldn't happen here given the, uh, the length of time that he served. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.